Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome to this mini series podcast. Um, I call it talking about ETFs. Not the best name, but um, I'm going to get better. So this is the first episode of a three part series. Uh, my name is Walid al and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have the opportunity to be here. Um, this is sponsored by the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, more specifically, my great professor of uh, global investments, Professor Pat Shane. Um, so he asked us to do an individual project. And the best thing I can come up with is to talk about ETFs and which is what I'm going to do right now in part of this three podcast mini series is what I'm calling it. And uh, so why did I decide to talk about ETFs? First thing, they're extremely important uh, in terms of financial instruments that are being used um, in equities and in bonds as well. Um, they can be included in portfolios. You could diversify your risk using ETFs or you could track an index. You can do a lot of a lot of things and you can most importantly gain exposure and different uh, themes, asset classes, uh, trends you see are as important or anything that could beat the market, which is what we want to do here as uh, financers in the world. So this is part of my final project. Um, and I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis before I go into the details of what I'm going to talk about. First episode, we're going to be talking about uh, ETFs uh, and we're going to be comparing two different structures of ETFs, passive ETFs and actively managed ETFs. For the second episode, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, those two, but giving it some extra spice. So um, I want to talk about Sharia based ETFs and how they're used and some trends we see there. So I'm going to be comparing two popular or emerging ETFs in that uh, sector, Sharia based um, financing. And for the last episode, uh, while doing my research on this topic, I couldn't help but see the overlap between ETFs, I mean, sorry, between Sharia based um, financial instruments and uh, ESG trends. Most Sharia based uh, ETFs often come with uh, strong ESG metrics, or at least that's how it's being marketed. So I wanted to delve deeper into that comparison, see what's similar, see what's not similar, and some of the financing uh, instruments that are being used or labeled or marketed as such, uh, and actually leaving open discretion in the end uh, to see what you guys think about it, what Professor Shana thinks about it, and um, yeah. So that's where we're going, but we're gonna start off very uh, basic and uh, talk about ETFs in general. So beginning, oh, by the way, I also really wanted to get uh, someone to speak with me, but since it's final season, um, I couldn't get anyone to come. I reached out to some professors, I reached out to some friends. No one really replied. So it's gonna be me talking and I hope I don't bore you guys to death. Um, but this is very interesting and I'm really interested in it. So I hope it shows in my tone and the way I speak. So I'm just gonna start um, with just explaining what ETFs are. So what I did also, just to keep it more engaging, I went over this presentation or this podcast with some of my friends and they asked me a bunch of questions. So I'm going to be addressing these questions um, during the podcast. So first thing, uh, ETFs, uh, exchange traded funds. So they're basically a basket of securities that are meshed into one uh, where and they're tradable. So you could go into any stock exchange and you could trade them. They're very liquid and that's a pro about them. Um, really started emerging uh, a couple of years ago and today ETFs, specifically uh, passive ETFs, lead uh, in the U.S. market. They account for 54% 
of the whole market uh, right now in financial instruments and they're widely used uh, in a multiple multiple ways as you may know so what's the appeal so the appeal for ETFs are that you don't have a minimum investment uh, me as a retail investor large institutions you don't have to lock in your money you can uh, basically buy an ETF for as low as a dollar or as high as a thousand dollars whatever you want to go to there's not a minimum requirement that um, maybe something else like a mutual fund would uh, require. Um, so that's one thing. Second thing, it's liquid. Uh, again, I'm going to compare it to a mutual fund because mutual funds are basically the biggest uh, competitors for ETFs. And basically, uh, the ETFs um, uh, really did take a large cap of uh, the market uh, for uh, mutual funds. So uh, they're very extremely liquid. Uh, mutual funds, usually you would have to get your money out within six months. However, with these ETFs, you could take your money out whenever you want. Leaves managers very flexible, especially portfolio managers. Secondly, this is the most important part of it. Uh, fees are extremely low um, compared to other financial instruments, uh, most mainly because it is passive. And even as we're going to see actively managed ETFs, although they are actively managed, so usually their fees are much less than mutual funds or other sorts of investment vehicles. So as someone wanting to get a bottom line, wanting to get return, wanting to find alpha, um, having low fees really goes a long way. And finally, uh, it's tax efficient. It's more tax efficient than mutual funds um, are. So the largest um, creator of ETFs are BlackRock. Uh, Also, you have Vanguard. Uh, Vanguard actually this past year have actually grown in market share and are eating up in uh, BlackRock's um, market share. Um, And this is somewhere somewhere in finance that is growing. It's a a part of finance that is extremely um, lucrative because of the low fee structure. And they come in two flavors, mainly. They come in passive, which is what we've seen before, which is basically uh, the ETF tracks an index that already exists. Uh, And the biggest and most popular one you can find is the SPYDER, SPY index. So S&P 500, top 500 stocks in terms of market cap within the US. Um, And you have an ETF like that that just tracks it word for word, uh, equity to equity, market cap to market cap. The manager of that ETF, all he has to do or all she has to do is to reweight it based on the changes in market cap that happen throughout the day. And me as a purchaser of this ETF, I would get exposure to the top 500 stocks according to the S&P 500. You can do the same thing with NASDAQ. You can do the same thing with EFI, which is Europe, Asia, Far East. Uh, Basically, there's an index that already exists. MSCI is a great example of a provider of index indices. It already exists, and you just want to get exposure to it uh, by purchasing this ETF on the stock market. Um, And that is all you have to do, and you get exposure to all of these things. You diversify your portfolio because you have exposure to 500 different stocks, and you'd be able to generate alpha. So by just following an index that already exists, you'd be able to generate outsized returns. And if you don't believe me, then you can ask uh, Mr. Warren Buffett, who made a bet with one of his friends that a spider ETF would outperform not that is the market, but it would outperform active managers in mutual funds like a basket of all of these through an ETF vehicle. Um, It would outperform them within a specific amount of time, I think it was six years. And that in fact happened, he did outperform um, by about 60%. Um, so with these passive index, uh, passive ETFs doing really well, even like S&P 500, like another comparison I'm going to make in second episode with uh, in the Sharia context, 
Um, just a sneak peek, the passive ETF does some, does much better than the active ETF. Um, and it's like in other markets, they have been doing well. Um, which begs the question, um, why are active ETFs around and why are they growing um, within the coming year? So just some quick facts on uh, actively managed ETFs. So what are they? Actively managed ETFs rely on a manager and an investment thesis. So basically, a manager, it operates kind of like a mutual fund. However, it has all of the positives that I mentioned earlier that ETFs do. They do trade uh, similar to how passive ETFs are traded uh, within like a stock market. It's very liquid. Fees are relatively lower. However, the only difference is that the manager of that ETF has a discretion to actively manage the, the companies that they include within that ETF. They get to pick the companies they want to include in that ETF and sell it to uh, retail investors or institutional investors. The key here is transparency. Um, as we'll see, uh, so again, just I'm jumping ahead, but the most popular actively managed ETF that exists today um, is by Kathy Wood. Its ticker symbol is ARKK, uh, ARK Innovation. And what she does is that she picks uh, high growth, innovative companies um, in the market where she thinks they're gonna generate uh, alpha. And within the past year, uh, $20 billion has been injected into that ETF alone. Uh, however, when you compare it to different ETFs uh, that are actively managed, they're not getting as nearly as much um, hype and as much funds flowing into them. Uh, one of from the 10 biggest actively managed ETFs in the market, four are equity uh, based and two are managed by Cathie Wood's uh, ARK, Innova uh, ARK um, Innovation. Um, the other one uh, is ARK Genomic uh, Revolution. Um, and six, uh, this is key in, the, in where these actively managed ETFs came from. Six have to do uh, with fixed income. Um, and it all started with PIMCO. So PIMCO is a fixed in income provider, the investment manager. And they have an ETF, um, an actively managed ETF titled Enhanced Short Maturity. Uh, JP Morgan released another one called Ultra Short Income. These are the second and third most um, uh, top uh, active ETFs in terms of market cap. And they provide investors, mainly retail investors, um, an alternative for having a checking account. So it's a basket of goods of short term. Uh, usually these, these ones are treasury um, uh, bonds, uh, either the US, mostly US government treasury bonds that are short term. Um, and just by definition, the returns are extremely low. However, relative to checking accounts, you, your cash is getting some return. And these are how actively managed ETFs actually uh, grew up like, and grew as an industry and became a large player in the market. Uh, another one is called the uh, Mint, M-I-N-T, Short Maturity Active Exchange Traded Fund. Um, again, these are short-term maturity and that's how it came up. It is now the largest sector within actively managed ETFs. It's less risky. Um, and again, um, it's getting popularity. Um, another trend that I find very interesting in actively managed ETFs are non-transparent ETFs. Um, and essentially what these are, um, they're actively managed, as I said, however, the manager doesn't disclose where the investments are. So you're putting your money with the investor and he or she 
is able to invest in whatever they seem is fit or matches the, the theme or the name of that ETF. And that makes it very, very, very similar to mutual funds. And there is an intersection between those two. Um, and when reading about this and when talking about this with my friends and explaining to them all of like this phenomenon, I, I found it hard to realize, like, I, I don't know, not hard to realize, but I thought it was interesting how there is data on how passively, um, passive ETFs or passive strategies tend to outperform active strategies. But why are we as a financial market in general, like in the US, maybe more, why are we still leaning towards actively managed ETFs with the prom promise of generating alpha when historically these actively managed ETFs do not in fact generate alpha? Um, and they do sometimes. So I just want to talk about, so I don't want to just go about the negative. Uh, so if you look at ARC, so it's kind of a contradiction, ARC Innovation ETF, within the past five years, um, their return, one second, I'm pulling it up, their return uh, was 575.9%. Now that's insane, that's crazy. And because of that, uh, you're seeing a uh, real growth in this. Uh, segment, 66% uh, 66 uh, 66 of um, the ETFs that were issued in the US or that were created in the US were actively managed. However, um, I think it's a case of, there's a behavioral case on this, which is like an outlier effect. Um, we're, seeing, we're seeing the ones that are at the top. We don't see the, as they call it, the cemetery of broken ETFs that did not generate alpha or did not generate likewise alpha. Um, however, this is a this is an area where the market seems like it's growing actively managed ETFs. Um, yep. So now just going back to where I was, I just wanted to get that plug in uh, because in general, so you most actively managed uh, financial instruments do not outperform. However, Arc did, and it just goes to show like this year, Arc is down about forty percent because they are backing on tech stocks. Um, Tesla's included PayPal um, and uh, Zoom technologies, among many other technology stocks, were included in her ETF. And um, it is kind of lucky that this growth happened when tech stocks were on the rise and when there was a huge bear market fueled by tech stocks and where you can see like the top five companies in the US are all tech stocks uh, and she has exposure to all of that. So we don't know if it's actually the fact that she's actively managed that ETF and she was able to foresee that, or it was just luck that got her these returns. Uh, and now that she's uh, her ETF is not performing as well and is actually moving in the opposite direction of the market, um, it goes to like, we're gonna see how her flexibility will help her in generating alpha going forward to see if actively managed ETFs do actually have a place um, in the market, in the ETF market, or if this growth is just fueled by this false hope of get generating abnormal returns like uh, what we've seen here. Um, but what's interesting to me, again, I wanna go back to this um, non-transparent actively managed ETF. So I looked into the regulation and why they've been growing. So in 2019, the Securities and Exchange Commission instituted the ETF rule, which standardized the regulations for launching and operating ETFs. The same year, the SEC approved the first active non-transparent ETF um, and it removed the major hurdle that kept many active managers on the sideline. And what we're seeing as a direct result of this regulation is that a lot of mutual funds right now are 
uh, in the process of being transformed into an actively managed ETF. And from that 66% that we've seen uh, of growth in that sector, most of it has been mutual funds that have actually um, opened a sister fund uh, that basically uh, is an actively managed ETF. Um, it provides liquidity to investors who believe in the manager, it lowers the fees, and uh, it gets them more market share. So it's interesting to see this general shift we see in uh, between traditional investment um, um, vehicles uh, and its movement towards new and innovative ways. Um, however, I keep you know, the one thing that I I am struggling to deal with is how similar actively managed ETFs are in relative to mutual funds. Um, and I think what's driving the growth right now is just the fees. So I read this article, um, it's titled um, Active ETFs Finally Start to Shine, What Investors Need to Know. It's by Evie uh, Louis um, and she wrote on Barron's. Uh, it's a platform called Barron's. And she basically argues that the race to fees is what's going to determine the future of the financial um, securities market and what sort of instruments we see coming up. Because with the emergence um, of technology, the emergence of different um, methods of generating alpha, um, net of fees, and we talked a lot about this in class, but net of fees is going to be crucial, uh, a crucial theory and a crucial, a crucial way to determine if you're generating return. Um, and with the introduction, like, and with the SEC and with regulation in general, uh, it starts in the US, it's going to probably uh, transfer towards international markets. But with the SEC's um, regulation that I talked about that was introduced in 2019, that shift in mutual funds to actively manage ETFs is, is a, such a natural shift because of the ability to get uh, or to expose their clients to less fees. Um, and with more regulation and with more um, space for this market to grow, um, actively managed ETFs are probably going to start to claw away and the uh, market share of passively, um, passive-based ETFs that are just based on an index. Um, despite, and this is key, despite the data showing, as Warren Buffett likes to say, and like as I've seen just in general, I have nothing specific to point at except Warren Buffett, but in general, passive strategies tend to do much better than actively managed strategies. And that's because of behavioral uh, finance elements and doubting yourself and selling at a low, buying at a high, all of these behavioral factors that we don't really um, look at. Look at. Um, so yeah, so this first episode, I just wanted to dip our toes a bit into the world of exchange traded funds. I hope I did that in a, in a, <laughs> in a good way and in some way that was uh, fun, engaging and um, lighthearted a bit. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. I, I don't want to make it that long uh, because it's just about definitions. This episode it's about like uh, comparing the two different vehicles and seeing how the market is today. Um, and the question that it, like this leaves us with is, is actively managed ETFs a better alternative than passive? You know, where can you generate alpha? Where can you get better exposure? And why would someone uh, look to invest uh, in each type of vehicle, you know? Um, uh, and maybe not to generate a higher alpha, but maybe um, for other reasons as well. 
So in order to answer these questions, I thought the best way is to look at a sector where I'm particularly interested in, uh, which I'm going to talk about next episode, which is Sharia. Um, and I'm going to be explaining what Sharia is. Uh, but seeing me as wanting to get exposure to Sharia uh, compliance stocks, what would, where would I go and why? Like, what are my options in terms of exchange traded funds today? And why would I pick one over the other? You know, what does one uh, sort of vehicle give me that the other one doesn't and vice versa? Um, so, yeah, thank you for bearing with me in this introductory episode. Um, thank you for listening to me and uh, I'll be here for the next episode coming soon. Thank you. Thank you. And have a great day.